Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. What's good, Internet? Welcome to day one of our holiday extravaganza here at Waypoint, our pantheon of good games. The year was shitty, but games were great, so great that we decided to take all of the characters and dress them up like gods and goddesses and uh, spirits of justice and divine retribution and ghosts. I think there might be a ghost in there somewhere. Uh, we are here to, to kind of do as many things as we can to celebrate the good games of this year and talk about the, the major trends throughout The, the the entirety of the gamosphere, the places where the world has broken in and the, the places where games have been a refuge from from everything on the outside. <laughs> uh, I'm Austin Walker, your host. Uh, joining me today, Danielle Riendo. Hello, how are you? Tired. Somehow, this is the last <laughs> podcast we decided to record <laughs> in a string of five, plus the Friday podcast, plus a follow-up Monday podcast for the first. So despite this being the beginning of our holiday podcast, it's the last one we're recording. Also joining us, uh, Rob Zachney. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Not too bad. Just uh, trying to keep the energy level high. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm fading. I'm fading. If only I had someone to, to back me up. Patrick, are you there? Yeah, I'm eating these Annie's cheddar bunnies. <laughs> Those are delicious. Wait, what? What cheddar bunnies? Annie's. Yeah, Annie's homegrown cheddar bunnies. They they grow rabbits and then they chop them up and they turn them into um, crackers. Yeah, Danielle, pop, you're a vegetarian. Why pop, are you? Pop, hooray! Taste? I'm organic. They, they are goldfish that are shaped like bunnies, but they're crackers. They're vegetarian. So they're just goldfish. They're goldfish, they're goldfish. but they're, they're organic. Ha- healthier goldfish. Yeah, organic goldfish. I'm looking I... at this webcam. I know y'all, this webcam isn't turned on or even plugged in, but I'm giving it a look right now. <laughs> you should screenshot that. Screenshot your look. But I'm not, the webcam is off. Nothing would. Uh, what's, wrong, I, wait, what's wrong with my fucking bunny snacks? It's, it's fine. You can it's have fine. a bunny I have snack. a child. Yeah, she eats the bunny. She eats the bunny snack, and, and it's I a cheddar a, bunny. Yeah, it's a cheddar bunny. Son. I have a child, and it's a bunny, and it tastes like cheddar. What's wrong with yeah? Me? Fuck off my back! God, give me a Kronos to our give to you our podcast. Look. Oh my god! Well, Patrick, Danielle, Rob, yeah. we are here today to talk about video games, which are uh, interactive entertainment. That you can play on a screen near you. Some of them don't even need a screen. You can close your eyes and use your ears. And those ones are hard because I'm bad at that. Uh, <laughs> but today I don't think we're going to talk about any of those. We are going to talk about the games that uh, did not make the cut on our personal lists. But that we thought were really good or at least worth talking about. Because otherwise <laughs> I feel like... Games. Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> because I, I mean, I think that the actual thing is today I wrote about for the site the feeling that there are um, too many games. I think this is a, a recurring thing probably from us all year because we have to cover them. And it, it felt like, OK, I'm just now going to get into this huge game that's that's really solid. And then like the next thing you know, you have to switch off to another new huge thing or even you're overwhelmed with a lot of small things where, you know, oh, this is only three or four hours to play through. But. That's a lot of time to devote to a small thing sometimes even because there are so many three or four hour small things like, oh, do I want to spend today playing Tacoma? Or do I want to spend it playing Night in the Woods? Do I want to play, play it, uh, spend it playing Doki Doki Literature Club or Dijana? Or like, I have a huge list of small games that I need to I do want to play through Observer. Do I want to play through like so many? Um, and so today I wanted to, to kind of chop out a spot in the podcasts to talk about those games that maybe didn't make our top 10 list, but we still felt were really, really good. Um, I just want to jump into it. Otherwise, it's going to hang over us. Yeah. Because the one that doesn't make my list, and and I know this comes to to, uh, to great uh, uh Taking a deep breath. Taking a deep breath. Danielle. Uh, is Prey. Is Prey. Oh. Is uh, Arcane Austin. Is she, oh, that's, uh, hold on. Before you get that... The, Danielle, she is uh, expressing the same amount of exhaustion and like uh-huh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and mild anger that was that was given when we actually off off mic revealed oh. that it was not on a list. Like, so there's this is no drama. This, this is, is not drama. A, this is not this a reenactment. This is this is real. She was just as upset. upset. <laughs> yeah. So pissed. Yeah, uh, which I know oh. is a game that you really loved, Danielle. Yes. Um, and and I mean, I think if if this podcast goes up the day I think it does, it will have been revealed that it's it'll just say very high on your list. Oh, you can um, say it. It's it's it, this is going up the same day. Prey is okay. my number one game of twenty seventeen. Game of the year, of the year. Uh, and it's not on my list. And and uh, if I'm being fully honest, it it could have been. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then I played a different game. I played Dishonored: Death of the Outsider, which helped focus my feelings on Prey such that it actually pushed my affection for Prey further away. Billy Lurk, let me just tell you, she gets up to some shit uh, in a way that that really was surprising to me um, because I'd left Prey thinking, man, I really liked that game. I really liked, I mean, I really liked half of that game, let's say, in terms <laughs> of like the time that I put into it. Um, and But maybe I'm just growing less fond of these immersive sims. And then I played Death of the Outsider and even though I'm more of a sci-fi guy than a than a fantasy guy, fantasy steampunk guy, I walked away from Death of the, uh, the Outsider feeling like, oh man, I really actually still really love Immersive Sims. Prey just didn't do it for me as well. Um, but I still think it's a great game. I still think it's a good game. And I still think that it, it deserves to be talked about here. So, Can, Daniel, I, do, can I do an I'm gonna let you finish? Can I do one? Can I? I was finished, actually. So oh. <laughs> I was about to throw to you. See, to I'm too polite for a true I'm gonna let you finish. All uh-huh. I was gonna say... Is that there can be room in your heart for both? Because Death of the Outsider is my number three game. <laughs> oh, there's the room year. in my heart for both, but there's okay. not room in my list for both. So, oh, oh god, yeah, that hurt. I just I had a physical <laughs> reaction right there. But like, tell me, talk to literally. Let's talk through it because this was a game that I think we all wrote about in the middle of the year. Yeah. We all played it, it, which is a rare thing. It's a rare thing that all four of us on this on this uh, podcast will like play through an entire long game. Like, I put 40 hours into that fucking game. Yeah. Um, I don't want to rehash that conversation necessarily, but we've had some space now, and and maybe we can talk about Prey a little bit. Okay. All right. Well, first thing I'm going to say is I know Rob also really loves Prey. It also has it pretty high on on his list. So I'm glad that I'm not alone. I feel like I have some support here. Really glad. I'm glad we're drawing lines in the sand 
as it as it were. Really, really honestly, uh, for me, uh, it was between Prey and Breath of the Wild for my number one spot. Mm-hmm. And again, I had to be just very honest with myself about what really, really, really did it for me. I think Prey is a phenomenal game. I think it is the best Bioshock by a wide margin. And uh, there, there's there's evidence. Uh, Campster Errant Signal on YouTube uh, has an interesting analysis where he thinks it should have been called Psychoshock because that really would have actually uh, been more in keeping with the themes that it sort of uh, purports to uh, address. But I think it does it better than any Bioshock game. I think it does over-the-top immersive sim, uh, not from the thief lineage, but from the shock lineage really, really well. And I think it's not just the story. The story works really, really well for me. I know that falls apart for a lot of people. I really like the way the story was approached. But for me, overall, it's level design and systems design and a sense of discovery that Prey does better than any other game this year, including Breath of the Wild. I think there are things in that game, the more time you spend with it, and and I don't... uh, I will also say this. I do not... discount your opinion uh of not being wowed by a lot of no, prey of I, I don't want to i don't want to say oh i'm right I, I i'm acting like a baby a little bit because it's funny but <laughs> but genuinely i i get it and and i also i get annoyed when people say like oh you know if you get through the first 50 hours hour 702 is great like that's <laughs> that's not a thing that i will ever say i will say that spend the more time i spent with the game the more i fell in love with it i actually think it gets stronger as it goes even with some faults and I think there are a lot of things about uh, Discovery in terms of its actual systems that absolutely delighted and surprised me even after spending like 80 hours with it. The fact that you could approach any problem in this game and not just uh, from the sort of very, very, not binary, but but very, you know, like there's five branches or something. There's five, mm-hmm. you know, the deus ex kind of approach of there's five ways to approach this problem. There's more like 52 ways to approach any given problem and a lot of them are not going to be something you understand until far far later in the game you can use small objects in the environment in a really weird and interesting way you can actually blow open uh passageways using things like oxygen canisters and and all kinds of stuff there Mm -hmm. are useless weapons in the game that are not actually useless you just use them in this very puzzly macgyver kind of solution uh sort of way a lot of the fun i had in prey after sort of Doing the entire main story and the sort of main quest were really just messing around, using it as sort of a puzzle box and being delighted by how much leverage I could get from from just playing around, just experimenting, just doing different things. Yeah, I definitely, I feel like I enjoyed a lot of that puzzling around. And I think the things that stick out for me are, I, I think that the story is fantastic. I really love yeah. the fiction of the world. I think that the characters, the, the like the main characters of that story are all really strong. And there's a lot of work to be done in looking at how they characterize them and how how they communicate uh, character motivation to you, especially. Yeah. Um, but there there is, the thing that holds it off my list is partially is the length um and the the lack of or not the lack of but comparatively to death of the outsider which is is meant to be a much smaller game but the focus um which which there there's a couple ways you can think about focus on one hand um i don't mean that i'm glad that their death of the outsiders problems only have three or four solutions compared to prey's dozen or whatever i think <laughs> yeah. that that is an, uh, is a strength of, of prey especially when you start thinking about character builds and you know weapon modifications and all that other stuff that that you know there's a kind of a second layer of i've already made a choice that means i can't use x like the first time you played through you didn't use any alien powers right, right. Right. So like that's all that's a whole other meta layer layer of choice there. Um but I do mean that I think 
that there is it took me 40 hours to get through prey i think and i would cut half of those away um i would cut away all the times i spent like staring at my map not understanding how the weird tube that connects the whole space station oh, the, goes. Guts. the guts the guts suck they like and i don't mean they're they're bad they're bad i don't say that often but like my experience of them was so frustrating as to take me away from anything I was enjoying about that game. And I mean anything, which is to say, like, I don't even think the story bits that are communicated in that space are necessarily good. I also think it's like one of the first times that I started to dislike the enemy design in terms of just pure visual design. Like I, one of the things that, that works so well for me in immersive Sims is how much I love playing with enemies. I love mm -hmm. recognizing what their patterns are. I love trying to intuit what they're thinking, even though they're not thinking anything. And in fact, they're just kind of automatons that, that have a pattern or that have responses pre-programmed into them. And I like feeling like a cat playing with a, a mouse, right? Um, or, and having that flipped on me and suddenly being the, being the prey that's being chased down. But in prey, I never had either of those feelings because I didn't, really relate to those the character designs the enemy designs very well um i think I, like none of the designs outside of the mimic who i think is a brilliant design it's like it's it's a fantastic enemy that that makes you feel very paranoid for the first like six hours of that game until you have the powers you need to just completely ignore them forever um <laughs> the 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 rest of those enemies just like did so little for me and i never really felt like i had that specific sequence of of engagement with them even the most powerful enemies who could scare me I knew how to get out so quickly or to get to a point of safety so quickly that the only times that I was ever really threatened, which is weird in a game called Prey, is when literally they locked the door behind me and in front of me and they put me in a single room with two of the, the strongest enemies in the game. <laughs> um, and so like uh, this, uh, what I would love, what I would, would, would have let Prey sneak onto my list, I think, is for it to have been 25 hours, uh, for it to have gotten to the crew quarters quicker, which is where you start to meet all the characters, uh, you meet in, in quotation marks here, right? Like you start to, to read about and listen to the stories of the characters of the bulk of the, the crew that made up the, the station, um, Talos station, Talos one, is that what yes. it is? Yeah. Um, and, and they have really interesting lives and there's so much stuff that is so good there about this science fiction setting yeah. uh obviously we, we've talked before about the the nerds playing D D in space <laughs> and the, about the queer romance in space and about yeah. the betrayals and about the the paranoia about like there's so many characters who even now i think about the the pianist who goes up like there's so many cool characters there um but you don't get any of that for so long and there's this hefty middle chunk that just I get why people don't like games like this. Like, Prey, <laughs> if this is so, I'm someone who likes immersive sims. And, and when I played Prey, there was 15 hours in the middle that I just would have cut completely out. How must people who don't, who don't naturally go towards immersive sims have felt about that? Um, and in some regards, this to me is why... I don't I, I don't have the reverence for Bioshock that I once did, certainly, um, sure. outside of – I have it in small chunks. I can say, oh, this level design is, was really good, but I haven't played it all the way through uh, in years, and so I'm cautious by saying about, – about making claims about it. But what I do know is it was accessible in a way that brought a bunch of people into the genre. And I'm not going to argue that every one of these games should be accessible, but if, if we want to know why the immersive sim is dying, it's because – 
they're often made for people like you and me <laughs> and not for people who might be listening to this podcast and who are saying like, I really wanted to get into Dishonored, but the blink power seems <clears throat> so hard to use quickly. Um, and it's like, why well, I wish that the way Dowd's blink in the first DLC where it pauses the world and lets you like look around and choose where to go to was just the default in that game. And like, if my argument is anything, it's like, please make the 20 hour prey. Please make the prey that uh, has 30 different options for how to get into a room or whatever, but also empowers the players to, to who, who would not naturally come to this sort of game to feel like they can get through it and enjoy it, even when they're, the combat is, is also, the, I think the combat is bad in prey, but even when, when it falls into combat, um, I just, I like, it just doesn't feel like in a, in a purely physical way. Like I don't like getting into gunfights and also, and also, and also, I just wish the the character, the enemy design was just more interesting for me visually because you fight. There are so many of those aliens, and I wish I wish there was maybe I wish that the the something like the the mimic was. Um, I had another mimic moment in that game in, in the later half, and I was just waiting for it, and it never came. Um, I still think it's a great game, uh, but that <laughs> is why it did not make my top ten. Okay, I uh... try not to cry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, you know, what I'll, what I'll say sort of in, in defense of Prey, like, when I think about, like, the things that would keep me the, from putting Prey on my list, uh, immediately, like, I get a picture in my mind of the guts. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, like, uh, like, of literal passages within that endless fucking space crawl space, basically. Uh that that you get stuck in, and they fill it with their least engaging enemy type, the Weaver. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, which is cool when you foresee it because it's kind of the thing that's like changing the environment. It's kind of like it's a harbinger it's of a what's cool happening. In the, it's a great yeah. effect. Yeah. Yeah, and seeing the, the these threads of coral taking over the station, and the fact that it's starting to feel more and more alien—that's all cool. The Weaver sucks as an enemy. Yeah. Um. So does the Nightmare, for that matter. They're they're yep. big super boss. Uh, it's too big to fit in most spaces, so and you it's end too up just big- like. It's also too big to discern characteristics from it in a, in a memorable way. The, in the way, like, when I think about Big Daddies, I can immediately paint them in my mind. The Nightmare is a blob of, it's yep. like a humanoid black blob of ink. And, like, mm, I want I want more definition. And I think it, it hurts Prey that Prey, has, like, shows its best ideas within the first two hours. And then... I think the last two, or the last yeah. five, or something. Also, I, I really do think that it closes fairly strong, even if it shows its narrative. I agree, hand. but I think it closes strong on a thematic level, yeah, yeah, not yeah. in totally. terms of like just the like mechanical novelty, right, uh, of the opening hours. But I think what ends up redeeming it for me is that once it is shown what this game is truly about, a lot of the things that I noticed about it that felt odd. Uh, all started to make sort of a thematic sense, right? Like it was an experience that the more like as as the game started to like un, un, unveil its end game, uh, the meaning of the experience I'd had started to change and 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 evolve, like in my memory. Like I was trying, like it changed my appreciation of what had come before. But I think what I loved the most about Prey, uh, and it's a thread running running through a lot of my top ten actually, is it just feels like a very now game. Um, like, so a few years ago, there's a bad movie that, uh, Brad Bird made, uh, Tomorrowland. Oh God. Uh, yes. Uh, which I is, reviewed which is a, that. Yeah. It's a shitty movie. <laughs> uh, which is just funny because I think Brad Bird's a good director, but man, like Tomorrowland just sucks. But 
the ways it sucks are, are instructive. Like Tomorrowland opens with this kind of provocative idea, you know, George Clooney kind of asking like, well, what happened to the future? Right. Like where did the idea of progress and the possibility of, of science and engineering and, and discovering new worlds and, and, you know, meaningful, like exciting progress that would turn the world into a place of wonder. Uh, where did that go? Why did that future end up getting derailed? And what causes that movie to fall apart is that its vision of the future is literally the fucking Tomorrowland section of Disneyland. Uh, it's all just like, you know, it's just it's 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 jetpacks and rocket age bullshit uh, and has like no real awareness of, um, you know, how how progress has been utilized historically or, or where it tends to lead. What I what I like about Prey, though, is that it feels like it takes place in the world that generate generated dreams like that. You know what I mean? It, yeah. it, it feels like the sort of the, the, the feeling that people in the, in the atomic age or the rocket age, whatever you want to call it, the idea they had of the track that they were on, uh, it feels like that all came true. They got to their destination and with Talos one and throughout all of prey, you see the ways that has been subverted and twisted uh, you know, by capitalism, uh, you know, by, by avarice, by, by greed. Uh, and then the various ways that humans trapped in the, in, within that system have sort of been compromised by it. Uh, and I can't, like, I'm, you know, I'm always, up, I'm always up for that kind of story. Uh, I, and I think Prey ends up telling it really, really well. I, lo I love that aesthetic, but I, I love even more the way it smartly uses that aesthetic and sort of the uh, associations it carries, the meanings it carries, uh, in a really clever way to talk about where we're at now, uh, historically. So, yeah, like, I agree, the monster design does suck, but, <laughs> you know, the pleasure I took uh, in, in other areas far outweighed it. Yeah, I, I think that that is fair. I think that is totally fair. At the end of the day, that is, like, how these lists work is what what is it that made me think the most made me happiest and made me moved me this the most this this year so uh, i think that is a fair and and just argument from both you and danielle uh still not going to make it on my list uh unfortunately but but please know that i'm repping i'm repping the the immersive sim as many as many times as i as i can honestly and truthfully do it on my list um that's mine that took up a lot of time Patrick, what's what's yours? Maybe yours will be quicker. Mm, let's see. Mm. Try the one I feel the worst about. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like I got options. I got plenty of options that are not not no one else's list. You're the ones that are like specifically cut. Like I have the cut list. Like golf story. Like really enjoyed oh, that. Yeah, that's cut from mine. Also, uh, I didn't evil. I didn't finish it, but I, I did cut it. Uh, it has a bad last like six hours um okay. even within two really enjoyed that game oh wow i'm surprised that it. didn't make the cut yeah. i tried really hard to find have a find a way it's a it's a game that's you know again like in the top 15 horizon zero dawn also one mm -hmm. of that in my top 10 night in the woods i got cut yeah uh, yeah observer which was cut for doki doki literature club dream daddy Ooh. huh Cutting um, cyberpunk yeah. for anime. I think Danica said that in her chat at some point. Yeah, yeah. I know. Uh -huh. Patrick Crypto <laughs> <laughs> uh, weeb. God. <laughs> Pray Gravity Rush 2. I think the one that I've, I feel Fuck, the worst I about. I Gravity Rush 2. Fuck. 
Yeah, no, yeah. that's yeah. Uh, wait, I think Barry we, we, we still might make it. I might. I'm gonna look at my list. Go ahead, keep talking. Because uh, we talked a little bit about the, our reservations about that game on some podcast, yeah, maybe on the one we, the, recently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the the one that I know is not any. Well, maybe at stories untold. Did that end up in anyone else's list? No, I liked it tell a me, lot, but it did not tell make me the about list. Yeah. That game because I I think I watched I watched Danica Joel and Danielle play it yep. maybe. Yeah. Um. Tell me. Tell me. But but I don't remember. I I wasn't actually watching. I was doing work in the room, so I was only half watching. And they got real scared a couple times. It's a sp- it's a Our lights game. actually went out. Like a thing. Okay. Or no, no. Somebody opened the door right when me. there was like a very dramatic moment. That's right. You were working. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I remember. What? Tell me about this game, Patrick. Well, I mean, when, I remember when I wrote about it earlier this year. Uh, and this one will be a lot quicker than <laughs> Prey. Is that it? It tries to. It tries to. Uh, to reimagine the context in which you drop sort of like a text adventure. Like a lot of the game primarily uh, involves you interacting with a terminal in which you are asking questions or using verbs and and things like that to sort of move through a story. But like the game opens with this taking place in, you know, like like an Apple II type computer, I believe, that you find uh, in like the room of... Uh, the house that you used to live in, and as things are happening, like the so you have like this computer monitor that's an old school, um, you know, crappy little computer, but around it is like a highly detailed, you know, 2017 like visualization of the room, right? So like the room that you're in, like has like you know like really good lighting and models, and and the 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 sound is is everything you would expect from a game that was made, um, you know, in in a modern context, and so that's wrapped around a adventure game and it just does a really i i I think when we talked about it in the past i'm sure it was on a podcast or not like danielle had pointed out how the game doesn't like hold up as well and like i think there's three stories four stories um yeah i think there's four something like that and it's 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 much stronger in the first half than than the back half although i seem to remember it finishing strong um but like what it uh attempted to do and what i think it accomplished was like a really interesting instructive way of because uh, in the same way that uh like a, in a different podcast where I talked about uh, visual novels and some of the the hang-ups people have about why mm-hmm. they do or don't get into them I think as cool as as twine is as cool as like text adventures are I think the format itself is prohibitive to some people even giving it a chance because it is looked at as something that is either archaic or just weird or whatever the case like i think there's something about it that for some people is deeply appealing as a format and i think for other people uh the way it is presented like the presentation of it uh stops people from getting into it i think stories untold says like actually like it looks at it as a presentation problem and says what if like we wrap the text adventure around something else that feels a little more modern and we use uh audio and and visual stuff around the text adventure to make it seem uh, like a much more uh, intense uh, sort of AV experience. And I think in in that respect, it does like a really tremendous job because I think the game is at its best when it is taking an older format. I guess even older is like, you know, like Twine updates it for, you know, the monitor, but like what is generally looked at to be an older format for interacting with a story and combines it with some of the advantages that you get in uh, modern storytelling and modern technology. And I think it, it, the stories would not be as strong if you separated it from that second component, and so it made a very interesting experience to to go through that way. And I I, I would I highly recommend 
more people go back uh, and check that out. I'm, I'm hoping they'll – they've said that it was successful enough. They're going to, like, do another set of stories because I think the foundation they've set with, like, yeah. their experiment is, is really ripe for them to do uh, some cool stuff. And, yeah, it was, it was a game that uh, – and any other, like, a lesser year, you know, that is that is in uh, in my list really easy. Um, same with games like Observer. It's just sort of like, okay, like, I just have to make some – some tough calls, and so stories untold is the one that uh, I think uh, Evil Within too. Both those I feel the 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 worst about uh, because I, I liked them so much. But uh, you know, them's the breaks. I already cheated once with my list. So. <laughs> <laughs> Can't cheat. No cheating twice. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's interesting partially because this is not the. This is maybe the third or fourth year in a row that um, we've seen a game in the interactive fiction space at least somewhat break through. Years ago, we had 80 Days break Breakthrough. Um, I think I think her story is in that field, even yeah, though 100%. it has FMV. But like that, I, Sam Barlow is 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 an IF creator and is uh, is um, th- that design is kind of an IF design. Um, and obviously, I think just visual novels in general have had a, a really great renaissance in the West in terms of finding an audience. Um, but but these like traditional interactive fiction parser based games uh, or, or or hyper hypertext games. I mean, like obviously we we can go back further than that to to the years that uh, Twine kind of came on the scene. Mm. And everyone was talking about Howling Dogs, uh, you know, as, as as one of their games of the year. It was not everyone, but there was a subset of critics certainly who were looking at at the work of of Twine creators and and being really excited about it. And it's interesting to see something like Stories Untold try to find this audience um, and partially do it by by packaging it really nicely, right? By saying, um, how can we dress up what is fundamentally just interactive fiction, not mm-hmm. just, but is interactive fiction uh, for an audience who would say that is in a video game um, and, and keep them engaged? Uh, and how can we draw on, I mean, in, in their case, they draw on like a history of horror and a history of like 1980s Lovecraft. stuff, Lovecraft, uh. like... And 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 also just like the the visual parts of that storytelling, especially in so there's like multiple stories, right? Yes. Uh, inside of it, and they they take place in different like rooms. It's not just that one main room. It's entirely different settings, even not yeah. just different rooms. There's there's like labs and other right. kinds of settings. There's yeah. just, it's an anthology series that yeah. uses the first right. and fourth or third story, whatever it is, like to sort of like loop back around like essentially like the right. the opener functions as like the crypt keeper for like tales you know from yeah, the yeah, crypt, yeah. like it, that that sort of right. thing um i saw some i saw and i can't find it now i was trying to, to find it quickly but i was i saw some conversation from the in, uh, the interactive fiction scene in the last like two or three weeks about whether or not if could have a big breakthrough because of these games and, and one of the things that um was being debated or talked about was whether or not um, the fact that these games were reliant on these like packet this this packaging to bring people in was going to keep IF in general out of reach. Um, because most people who make interactive fiction don't get to dress it up by putting it in the mm-hmm. the clothing of uh, let's say a Sunless Sea, right? Which also is an IF game that's dressed up as and has some degree of like tactical resource management stuff going on. Well, but Night in the, the Woods too. Night, right, mean, Night in the Woods, Night in the Woods well, is yeah. made in yarn. Like I, I'm using right. the tool that they used right. uh, to to make a little thing of my own. It's it's very much a it, it's it's like twine yarn is like a twine like basically right. thing. It, all the text right. in that game is 
is made in that totally. fashion. Yeah. And so I think it's an interesting I think it's an interesting thing where on one hand on one hand part of the argument that I saw was like, well, interactive fiction games back in the day used to ship with feelies with with fake newspapers and and fake props from mm. space stations and used to have, you know, there were all sorts of of things that helped you transport yourself into that space and time and world, right? Like not every one of these games did this, but but there were lots of you could get boxed copies of of interactive fiction games that then also communicated something via you know the, you would you would transform your your desk into the room in a in a sense right but then but then i also get the notion that like yes night in the woods is primarily a game with text but it doesn't feel like interactive fiction really it feels like maybe like a a, a visual novel but with some platforming but it doesn't feel like parser based fiction it doesn't feel like like uh it doesn't feel like like a twine game uh, even it it feels somehow like some like a different thing i don't think any of this is bad it's just something to think about like i'm curious if 2018 will be a year where we get another one of these that finds a large audience um or if if instead what we'll see is more games like night in the woods which maybe have their their roots in in interactive storyteller inter, uh, sorry in in if interactive fiction crossing over and becoming more and more like platformers more and more mm-hmm. like exploration based games walking simulators etc you know I think that's 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 you know similar what we might end up seeing with the immersive sim right it was like that was right. that same conversation it was like you know the sales performance of a bunch of immersive sims in 26 and 2017 suggests that there's going to have to be some sort of pivot but like that doesn't necessarily mean that you lose the values of those games it's just that maybe there's a way of contextualizing not even just presentation it's like the, the context the lessons of different genres and different approaches to games then get put in a different box that you get can get a similar vibe a similar feel um it's just kind of like put together in a, in a different skeleton yeah yeah uh, i i'm like i said curious to see what comes next in in this whole genre of things especially especially um as additional platforms like like itch.io uh kind of finally stabilize a little bit and, and become places where developers are able to, to put out their games to audiences. Like those are the places where I hope to see more of that stuff and, and, uh, and, and more. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds at mint mobile. We like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Development. Rob, Rob and Danielle, both you both have to go. I realize, Danielle, we spoke a lot about Prey, but you did not have <laughs> a game yet that, that was not on your list. I mean, Which I one have one, but could, Rob, Rob, you can go first. That's fine. I can end it. Uh, yeah, I think for me, um, so a game that I really admired a lot, and I, I kind of just want to talk about it here at the end of the year, even though actually it was not as close to breaking the top 10, uh, as, as it might be implying. Mm -hmm. Uh, but when I think about games that I wish I could have like singled out a little more here at the end of the year, uh, Afghanistan 11, uh, from every single soldier for us, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was like one of your uh, first pieces for us, actually. Yeah. Right. And it's the sort of, like, it's the sort of shit I want to see more of, but, like, not quite like this. 
<laughs> and what it is, is it's a war game about the conflict in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And it's trying to get at certain dynamics of that war. It's it's a solitaire war game. There is no controlling like the Taliban side uh, because like they, like it's it's so asymmetrical. Like their side is not even modeled except as like an abstract enemy uh, that is there to continue like annihilating your victory conditions. Uh, but it's a really interesting and like thought provoking game because basically like. It tries to cover a couple really important dynamics of the uh, of the war. One is that the terrain in Afghanistan is incredibly difficult. Uh, that you know, good road tra- uh, uh, road road routes are almost non-existent in large parts of the country, particularly those parts of the country where uh, you're you're going to actually be fighting. Um, <laughs> and so, a lot of the war is carried on by using air mobile tactics and like fire bases in hard to reach places. But that also means that those forces become extremely vulnerable, uh, that uh, fighting the Taliban effectively means pushing, uh, your forces deeper and deeper into territory that is not necessarily hostile, but can like turn hostile very, very quickly. Um, and then, the other aspect of this is, uh, you know, you're fighting a very casualty-averse war. And so what, you know, what, ideally what you want to do is spot the enemy and then call in airstrikes, but never actually, like, have infantry duking it out uh, in a valley because, like, then you might lose forces. Uh, and that's that's a disaster, right? Like, you can, you know, you can attack and fight and destroy a ton of Taliban targets and they'll keep coming back. But like, if you lose one of your units, it's a pretty massive uh, setback and a pretty serious disaster uh, for you as a commander. And then the final thing it tries to bring out is that the American forces are theoretically going to go away. That in each scenario, the province you're fighting over, yeah, the war starts out with the U S led coalition being there and fighting with, you know, Apache gunships, uh, you know, MRAPs, which are basically impervious to mines, uh, you know, really advanced, uh, you know, really well-trained infantry with lots of, like, aerial resources to call upon. But toward the end of the scenario, those units need to be withdrawn, and the fighting needs to be taken over by Afghan National Army forces, which are all basically identical to your forces, except they're, like, one click lower on the quality, the quality setting. Uh, so like they don't have M wraps, they have armored vehicles, but like they take some damage from mines, but not as much. Right. Whereas M wraps can just sort of drive over them. They have helicopters that are pretty good, but they're not like, you know, the death from above that the <laughs> Apache helicopter right. is. And so in the last part of the scenario, you lose all your best troops, and now you really kind of have to hold on using the Afghan forces you've spent a lot of the game building up. And then you just kind of have to ride out uh, you know, the end of the scenario, trying to sort of keep the Taliban in check, keep your listening posts supplied, uh, you know, keep your recon forces out there, uh, keeping an eye on the, on the countryside. And it's really, really good. Like, it's all really clever. It's really demanding. There's a lot, of, there's a lot here that I, I admire. Um, the problem is that 
it's kind of got nothing beyond that trick, right? Like it's got, it has this design, it works, it's really demanding, it's cool, it's novel. And then it has all these scenarios where you just apply the same dynamics again and again and again and again. And they all kind of start to feel very samey after a while. Uh, and then the other aspect of it is it's a cool way of representing the, the war in Afghanistan, but it also definitely feels like sort of a construct of like how we like, what's the way to put this? We don't know how to win in Afghanistan. <laughs> Fundamentally, we don't like if right. we did, uh, things would be going differently, right? Like if this, if this game plan represented in this game, uh, actually produced like sustainable, uh, you know, positive yeah. results for the war effort in Afghanistan or for uh, the Afghan government and the, and the people living under its rule, uh, then the situation there would be different. Right. Uh, but that's not really happening. And you can say, well, maybe that's partly political will, that the, the war is under-resourced. But also there is, there is an operational and strategic element of, like, there are things we are trying to do that have not worked in, like, 15 years. Right. And this and game is that's about what like, you want to see more of like that, that sort of um, systemization of problems that most games in the genre would present as fundamentally solvable through clever, through cleverness, right? Through understand, through better application of resources and what Afghanistan 11, based on what you're describing, seems to say is no, 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 no. There is a fundamental disconnect between how we approach problems like this problems quote unquote like this and and uh and the problems themselves uh, the, the situation itself like there is no winning that war given any of the resources given any of the playbooks that that achieves the goal that we are setting out that we claim to be setting out to to achieve in Afghanistan yeah i think um you know from bruce gary th- th- this is a sequel to a game they made called vietnam 65 okay and i think uh you know, my, my friend Bruce Garrick, uh, who's a much more serious war gamer than I am, mm-hmm. uh, with a much deeper uh, grounding in that field and in military history, um, the comment he made on Vietnam 65, and I think it applies here as well, is that Vietnam 65 is mm-hmm. a war game about the war that the U.S. Army thought it was fighting up <laughs> until Tet. Right. Uh, and I think this is what's happening in Afghanistan. Is like It is modeling the mindset that sort of gave us... Uh, counterinsurgency operations in Afghanistan and Iraq, uh, mm-hmm. particularly Afghanistan in the mid to late 2000s. Uh, but then it doesn't actually have any sort of like prescriptive critique, which is understandable because like right. if, if you're making a game about like being a frontline commander, you know, trying to stabilize and sort of like quote unquote solve these situations, uh, there's actually nothing in your tool set. It's not within your purview to right. address the real underlying dynamics that are generating the situation. So you sort of have to abstract it away and, and say, like, look, if it's still if things are still good by turn 60, you win. Congratulations. <laughs> Afghanistan is solved. Uh, but nevertheless, it is kind of like the, um, you know, it's, it's the thing that I think ultimately makes Afghanistan 11 kind of unsatisfying, is that in addition to it being really repetitive and how these, uh, these strategic dynamics play out, after a certain point, it just starts to increasingly nag at you that it just still feels like too simplified. Right, right. Uh, it is a war we've been in for 16 years, um, and that shows no sign of stopping. Uh, and I think that 
makes it a difficult that fact alone makes it a difficult thing to render into game in especially when we think about games and war games specifically as things that can be won um i mean this is this is the thing that makes me think of um there was an article that was just going around recently again uh about the the games i i was uh, it was naomi uh klein medicine uh medicine yeah. on twitter mm-hmm. um who linked out a piece about the the game spent uh which i think i've mentioned this piece before uh which is a game about surviving poverty yeah. um and it was you know ostensibly supposed to teach you how hard it was to live as someone who is under the poverty line in america who you know how expensive it is to be poor um and the the piece uh was reflected a study done with the game that revealed in fact that um of the people who played it uh, a number of them left the game less sympathetic to those under the poverty line believing that poverty was something you could win right like hey just make the smarter decision um and so the the as always walking into this space of you know serious games or games that tackle these sorts of issues i'm not saying all war games are serious games by any means but um the serious games is a subgenre of game google serious game if you if you (laughs) want to get at what i'm getting at um but I think it's interesting to see this the dilemma of how to produce how to represent dilemmas as games uh and and especially ones that have real political material physical personal human costs um yeah I, I hope we get more games like that uh and I hope that they that they correct in the way that that you would like rob um Danielle <sighs> what is the game that you right. did not make your top ten list and then we this is it this is our final you get to close us close us out here oh you're gonna love this um Pray. Right. No. <laughs> no. Not pray. She cut, it, she, she cut it so we could talk about it for another 30 minutes. <laughs> cut it, then put it back in number one where it belongs. Yeah. No, this one, uh, honestly, uh, I'm going to get a lot of hate mail for this. Uh, I'm going to get a lot of hate tweets. I'm going to get a lot of hate. <sighs> Near Automata. Okay. I don't think you're going to It is not, for, and it is I mean, not because I don't think it's a good game. And I do need to play more. I, I'm going to start with that. Yeah. I'm starting with those. And I, I'm That's not fair. pooing on anybody's opinions that thinks this is a great game. Here is my experience with Nier. I played the first section under the uh, tutelage of my anime life coach. Uh, uh-huh. she, she was there with me. She supported me through it. So I played that first kind of section. And then I watched her play it for a couple of hours. Well, I watched. You, can her... you explain what first section means? The, the tutorial, I guess. The, okay. the first so 90 not minutes. The first, okay, okay. Not the first ending. Right. No, no, no. Just... Okay. Yeah. And I watched her play it for a couple of hours. Subsequently, uh, like a month or two later, I watched my girlfriend play pretty much the entire thing. So I have seen, I think, just about everything. She she did at least four or five endings, I think. Uh, Maybe there's another endings. one to go, yeah. but I, I have experienced much of this game. And again, I, I do plan on experiencing it fully by myself. Um, yeah. So, uh... I think it's very interesting. I think it's very, very interesting. I'm there for sad robots. I definitely have seen a lot of, like, really heart-wrenching scenes in this game. Mm -hmm. I I have witnessed a lot of incredibly sad robots in some really sad situations. I've seen a lot of funny things. I've I've seen the robots trying to do a sex. I've definitely seen that. They sure tried. Yep. Are you counting that as sad or as funny? Yeah. Oh, that's Which one? Is that sad or funny? Which one did you put that in? That one was funny. You know, Mm. I, I put that under kind of funny. I, you okay. know, uh, 
Hey, sometimes emotions are complicated. You can feel sad and be laughing at the same time. It's Fair. true. It's very yeah, true. I feel like true. this is turning into a void comp. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? You see two robots. <laughs> Humping. They are making sexual gestures at each other. Are you sad? Are you sad? Are you laughing? Yeah. Can this continue? Is this uh, supposed to tell if I'm a robot or a lesbian, Mr. Deckard? Sorry. She it wasn't British robot or lesbian. Song? It was replicant. Kevin Hepburn playing? Kevin Hepburn as Rachel. I can see it. I can Actually, see it. I would watch the show. A little bit. Yeah. Uh, right? Kevin Hepburn. The yeah. hair. Uh-huh. She has know? the hair. Yeah, totally. Totally. <laughs> uh. Anyway, um, genuinely curious about this game, but that is all I kind of feel about it. I feel like I've seen, and maybe this was the wrong way to do it, this is just how my life goes sometimes. Sometimes I watch a whole lot of games. I watched pretty much all of Horizon Zero Dawn and pretty much all of Persona uh, 5 as well, because my girlfriend also plays a lot of games and uh, plays them to 100% a lot of the time. So I've witnessed it all. And I think felt- the over-the-shoulder thing pretty much counts for me. Yeah, I don't want to... I think there are some games in which you could yep. make the argument that like th- there's something intrinsic you to feel it, playing yeah. it, but I don't like like there's no world where I'm like shit. The gameplay was like the reason yeah, that yeah, game yeah, was yeah. incredible. Like I think I think I think the combat is is fine, is serviceable. I tell totally. most I tell most people just ratchet it down to easy because even the interesting parts about the combat like get really repetitive at like you yep. know hour twenty five. Like it just the combat. The story has more to say. The combat tree ran out of things to do uh, for you as a player. But uh, I think like, I, I think uh, Nier is a game that either like um, like grabs you or it doesn't. Because like that's essentially the response I've seen from like I've seen very few sort of like milk toast response to the game. Sure. Like, oh, it's kind yeah. of interesting. It's more just like. Like it just didn't do it for me, or you have people like me who are like trying to like shake people into like playing the game. Like you, you need to play it, and you need to play it all the way to the end. Uh, but if, you, if it doesn't connect after the first one, I don't think any three is going to change anything. Like, uh, I think any it, three might, but no, uh, continue. Hmm. <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're but I'm right. not going to tell someone. To, I'm right. not going to tell someone to like. But I think there is enough in like the 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 turn that ha- endings is wrong. Chapters, right? Like the, yeah, the yeah, way yeah. that near works is like you're. Uh, you know, it's it's perspective changes that largely happen um, when you're when you're finishing, uh, and it's like if the ter- if you don't if you don't find the turn that happens after yes. the first ending, like oh shit, like it, there's either a moment where you, you go that? Yeah. ah, I need to see everything this game wants to say, or you go oh okay, like that's interesting. <laughs> like, I just think there's it either grips you at that moment and yep. then just continues to like turn the vice. Like more and more and more, because um, I've seen another like you know Steve Kim Fobosh, another person who was like, I don't fucking get it. Like, yep. what is everyone? <laughs> so like, I, and uh, I think this is one of those. And the reason, the reason which you should not apologize is because uh, in the same way that your response to pray, like it is somewhat emotion, it is emotion yeah. based, yes. right? Like yeah. the reason I feel so strongly about Near is because of the emotional response. It it it. Uh, provoked in me about the story it was telling and the stories of the characters in there. And that is somewhat for you too in Prey. It is not just that you really like the systems in that game, but it's the systems stacked on top of a world and characters and what that movie is, or what that game is saying that like makes it so emotionally powerful yeah. for you. So then your the emotional response you have to the game is tied into your emotional response to how other people feel or don't feel about that game. And so I'm not shocked that you have that uh, sort of reaction when, like, maybe praise not on our top ten list, and then 
you feeling like you need to apologize for a game that other people have been going, <laughs> this is one of the best games of all time! You know, right. like, it's, right. uh, and, 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 yeah, I, I, I think it is one that either connects or doesn't, and that doesn't, doesn't say anything about someone if Nier doesn't work for you. It's more just, that's how stories work. That's how stories like, that's work. True. Yep. Totally. I just I put that caveat on there because of the fact that a lot of it was that secondhand experience. I just don't think I'm, I just don't. There are games, but like. Breath of the like, Wild is a game that like would yeah, be kind of yeah. weird to say a lot of things about if you hadn't played it. But like it's. There are very. And even that, I, I don't know. There are few, there are few, I think it's like. There are a few get, games that like. Getting over it maybe is a game where like, oh, you have to feel the <laughs> sure. failure of falling off this fucking cliff. Or you have to feel how weird it is to swing this hammer. But even like. Even. I, you know, Hitman was on my list last year and I didn't play it until this year. And I yeah. fucking love that game. Yeah. Uh, I thought about putting it on my list this year, but the, it turned out we had a really fucking good. That's the other thing about this year is <laughs> this is a really fucking good year for games and games that would have made my list a year ago or two years ago yeah. aren't this year because I can <clears> fill it with so many other things I'm, I feel so strongly about. And, and Nier is one of those things. And um, I think it, the, the, the biggest, one of the biggest bummers for me is how, uh, what the conversation around Nier has been in the last like month as people, as we, as we hurtle towards game of the year stuff, the thing that shook forward and shook through and kind of filtered through the, through the old, uh, the, the sieve is is that that game is horny and i don't i'm not saying that game has no horny in it that game has some horny in it right like you can <laughs> you can with all of your characters self-destruct blowing away your clothes to reveal your hot ass um and like that's that sad or funny that's <laughs> Voikov. It's yeah uh, it's okay. sad it's actually so here's the thing it's sad because unlike something like quiet in metal gear solid 5 who needed to be completely naked oh, all God. the time so that she could breathe through her skin, I guess. I didn't finish that game. I didn't get to that yeah, cutscene in that game. I think you're right. I think that's what um, it was. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what it was, to use her ability, or just to breathe in general. Um, uh, the the characters in in Nier, uh, one, are, are not naked all the time, and in fact normally are, are wearing really rad, coolly designed outfits, but uh, are constantly always, like struggling with the fact that they know to some degree they were designed to be like people and what does it mean to be a person and what does it mean to be sexy that's why those robots are fucking is because like that entire species of robot are, are like walks through the entire range of human activity from you know trying to build amusement parks and pine for lost lovers to using uh, makeup using right using makeup right to to building whole religions and faiths to trying to establish uh, uh, weird, you know, communes in the woods. Um, every every time that you that you encounter them, and then and then later, as you think through the, the androids you're playing as, and as, as you track what their story is, everything ends up being this second level uh, conversation that isn't just our robots people. Um, it's like, what the fuck are people? Uh, and right. that to me is the thing that. See, I dig keeps- that. I dig yeah, that so that, much. That's, that's why I'm a little like, I don't know if yeah, if I miss yeah. something important or, you know, I mean, that's because I like in, that stuff. I am there yeah. for that stuff, you know, my my. So this is I guess that is the other thing is maybe there is an argument for not not I'm not dismissing your thing saying because you didn't play it, you didn't like it as much or, or sorry, I'm not dismissing your thing saying uh, be, I'm not saying because you didn't play it, right. your opinion doesn't count. I think right. your opinion completely counts. I will say 
that playing that game at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. and like finishing the quest, a quest that reveals that one of these androids has been manipulating another one of these androids, not the not side quest I'm talking about here, has you know been manipulating and rewriting one of their 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 his their memories over and over and over again uh, to try to get the outcome she wants, like. Ah, oh, fuck. And that hits you a certain way when you're the one playing it alone in your bedroom at 3 a.m. Yeah. Um, and that isn't to, again, that isn't to say that, that, that your response to it is uh, invalid. But it is to say that maybe one of the reasons this game hit for me so well is because I was playing it overworked in the late hours of the night in 2017 alone. And that so much of this game is about that feeling of being alone. And I don't just mean in the the lowercase a sense like it's a game that says fundamentally in the world in the universe none of us can connect none of us can ever really reach out and touch another person um at all points that connection is mediated by language or by technology or by physical distance or by the words that we are we refuse to say to one another because we're scared to or by the words that we are compelled to say to one another because of loyalty or because of anger um and that all connection is impossible and also it's all we can fucking do to to try to connect to each other it's the only thing we we can't stop trying to do is find that deep human connection no matter you know whether or not we were born as human or stumble into being it like that is the thing that makes us people is trying to connect and the biggest tragedies are are when we fail to um and that hit me this year in a way that i didn't expect because i went into it thinking it would be a horny game about android <laughs> um and it wasn't and so like or, or to the degree the, the degree that it was horny it's horny because we're because also it's true about humans that we are horny and so yes that's in there and it's true about the creators of that game that they are horny right. and so yes Tubi has an ass and like yes uh i think that the the, the there there are some scenes in that game that are gratuitous um but like yeah, not, but, all, not all of it can be hand waved by the, no the totally <laughs> but the horniest scene in that game is when one character like sees another character wounded and starts to choke him to death and like because it's her saying this is how much i care for you and i'm going to do this thing that is unbelievably terrible because in this moment my shield is down i've stopped insulting you i've stopped refusing to call you by the pet name you wish i'd call you um it's fantastic and and that stuff is so deeply human in a way and and melodramatic and operatic and like all of these things that are like it's anime as fuck like it is the, one <laughs> of the most anime also there are big mechs in this game named marks and angles like also this is a game you know like straight yeah. up there are um there there are are there's so much in in near automata that is um held together th- with this strand of vision um that I don't think comes from just one person because it comes together through the music and through the character design and through like I, we give Yokotaro a lot of credit and I think we should because it is a game that feels like it was touched by a director but it also just feels like the team was aligned um with this sense of <laughs> sense of sadness but also the sense of hope uh, and I think Nier just earned a higher spot on my fucking list than oh, it had there we go. at the start of this conversation Hell so yeah Nier's climbing Get up, up there, that fucking Nier. list yeah Get up in near. Get up in near. <laughs> Great. Perfect. I think that's it. I think we've all <laughs> hold, talked. Hold on. Hold on. I, I want uh-huh. to, What's up? I wanted uh, breaking news. One part of our podcast have already been invalidated. 
uh, when we did, I don't know where this is going in the, the weeks, uh-huh. but there, but one of their podcasts involves Danielle talking about the game she's most looking forward to in 2018, which is no longer coming out in 2018. No! Are you fucking kidding me? Psychonauts, we... has already, Psychonauts has already been delayed to 2019. I knew it. Oh, oh my God. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. Extremely good. I was like, wanna... cack- I was quietly cackling when I saw it. Do you want to just name drop another thing you're interested in? We don't have to get into it deep. It's okay, but... Vampire. I, I said it. Uh, there should be another okay. thing oh, on there, right. but yeah, Vampire was my other yeah. looking forward to. I'm glad you to. had a backup. I'm glad <laughs> yeah, you had, I had a backup. I had one ready, you know? God damn it. That's Lord. amazing. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. All right, that is going to do it for us today. Uh, weirdly, it's also going to do it for us ourselves this week but not for you you should come back tomorrow because we're gonna have so much more on our favorite games this year uh and, and apparently some that aren't our favorite games that didn't make the cut um uh thank you so much uh for for being here patrick rob and danielle where can people find you in that order patrick at patrick Lubbock. rob at rob zachney danielle at danielle ri also probably mm-hmm. playing Near in the new year, playing playing near over the new year, yeah. new new near new, new near, near baby. Give me that new, give me year, that new, new near. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm fucking. I want to know what that team's going to do next. So mm-hmm. bad. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Austin underscore Walker. Follow Waypoint at twitter.com slash Waypoint. Over on Facebook at facebook.com slash Waypoint Vice. Uh, follow us at waypoint.vice.com for all of our year end stuff. Come come check out our pantheon. Hey hey. Come check out our pantheon. That's that's me flirting as uh, one from one pantheon to another, saying like, "Hey, let's come see our gods. We got the best gods." Um, and you can uh, also follow us over on Twitch.tv/waypoint, where we're going to be doing some videos. And and did any of the games we talk about today? Did any of those wind up in a video? I don't think so. We did a bunch of good videos with a bunch of good games, so check those out. Um, and uh, and those will also eventually go up on YouTube.com/waypointvice. I don't know if they'll be up there. Uh, day and date but they will be embedded in videos or in, in posts over on waypoint.vice.com so check those out um i think that's gonna do it for us today um i'm gonna go take lunch because it's three and yeah. i'm hungry and we have three stopped. half hour podcasts yeah just Listen. gonna bang them out yeah is that what i is that what i said this morning yep. What are the three half hour podcast? I did say this morning. No way will this take anywhere near four. I said, yeah, we, I said, uh, we better be done by four. Yep. And we are. We are. Hey, we're it's done only 3 four. I'm happy. All right, everyone. Sadly, you said that at 1130 in the morning. <laughs> I fucking listen. <laughs> we all have big mouths and we all want to talk a lot. We so. all got stuff to say. We do. All right, everyone. That's going to do it for us. Uh, tune back in tomorrow. Until then, Danielle, let them know. Be good and be good at it. Peace. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.